Welcome to Still Scared Talking Children's Horror, a podcast about creepy, spooky, and disturbing children's books, films, and TV. I'm Ren Wednesday, my co-host is Adam Wybray, and today we're talking about the 1980 film The Watcher in the Woods. A full transcript of this episode will be available, so check the show notes for that. Enjoy! Good evening, Adam. Good evening, Ren. Hi. Um, how are you today? I'm well. I'm a little bit beleaguered um, because Suffolk County Libraries are on my case. Uh, erroneously, I'll add, uh, before we have a dropout of listeners, uh, <laughs> <laughs> who I'm sure are all fans of their local libraries, but um, mm. our library now offers a selection of board games, which is great. Uh, I took out Ice Cool, uh, which is a penguin flicking game. It's like a penguin basketball, but you, you flick the penguins. Uh, it's better than that sounds. Um, <laughs> and and we, we took it out, and sadly all the cards were missing. So we sort of adapted the game and played it and gave it back. And then I got an email today, um, a pretty sternly worded email. Um, you know, there were no kind regards. It was a very... Kurt regards. Um, <laughs> Kurt regards. They <laughs> um, basically saying, well, while you have returned the box of this game, you have not returned all the cards, and thus it is still um, on your library account until you return the cards. Um, and the problem, the cards weren't there. They definitely weren't. You mm. know, we uh, Antonio agrees. We had to adapt the game. So, yeah. you know, I, I I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, I'm going to go in tomorrow and try to plead my case. I'm willing to buy the library a new board game. I'm worried that they'll say, well, actually, we're only going to accept the original cards. <laughs> um, in in which case, this fine is just going to go on for as long as Suffolk County Libraries continues to exist, I think. Mm. You, and, you, you can't, know, like, draw your own penguins and... <sighs> I mean, it's worth a shot, isn't it, actually? Yeah. Just fake the cards. Yeah. yeah. But they might have had special stains uh, or grips <laughs> or markings. And, yeah. you know, I don't have those memorised. I never saw the cards. Mm. So, you know, and it's a pound a week. A pound a week? <laughs> a pound a week, Gren. <laughs> you know, board goes like cheap. So, you know, I can't imagine that... It was just county libraries are going to get closed down ever so soon. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm certainly not going to consider that a silver lining of Brexit, but, um, mm. you know, at least I guess it would get me off the hook because I shouldn't, be, I shouldn't be on the hook. You know, I know this sound, the more I talk about it, the more it seems like I did destroy or deface or lose the cards. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I've, I feel like I have known you for over a decade at this point. Yeah. And, I um, can attest to our listeners that you are not the kind of person who would steal the uh, 
penguin cards from a library board game for your own personal pleasure. Um, <laughs> thank, thank you. I mean, that sounds like I would do it for other reasons. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's a little bit like, you know, when you have to write a uh, endorsement um, for a student or a colleague who actually, you know, you don't think is the most reliable. And you sort of write around it. They turn up. They are they have transferable skills. Uh, you, you know, they're a person they can work, <laughs> um, but no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't steal cards for anyone else's. Unless, okay, unless someone really, really needed me to. Like you know, if it was like, if you don't steal these cards, someone's going to die. Obviously, I would. Mm. Uh, but that's not that's not been the situation this time. <laughs> um. So how are you after after that uh, after that uh, somewhat <laughs> defensive sounding monologuing? <laughs> um. I I am I believe in good stead with my local library um, <laughs> network and so I oh, give a bully for you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm in fact um uh, currently enjoying the audiobook of H.G. Wells's uh, uh The Invisible Man um from borrowed from my local library. So um, Oh. It's it's a it's about a man who's invisible and uh, he tries to hide that he's invisible, but then he gets too uh, uh, too tempted by pranking people. Um, so he has to run away naked. Oh, my. Um, I mean, is it mostly... Because I remember watching that Hollow Man film, which is quite an unsavoury film. Uh, I didn't like it. I remember watching it when I was a young teenager and was too young for it, really. Um, and I didn't really want to. I was very much like... If a film's rated above my age, I shouldn't, I will not watch it. And, uh, you know, I think it was one of those situations where, you know, I was around a friends or something. So I wasn't very comfortable about it. And I remember it being quite tawdry and the hollow man, um, using his invisibility, uh, for all sorts of nastiness. So I hope, I hope in HG Wells it's just shenanigans. I mean, he's, he's a very angry invisible man, to be honest. He, um, well, uh, an irascible character, I'd say. Is that kind of like a men's rights activist, like feeling like his voice is invisible or something? Or, um, I mean, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, he he made himself invisible, but he's he's extremely angry at everyone uh, for not letting him be in peacefully invisible. I think. Um, okay. Which is definitely a bed he made himself by long study of. Uh, advanced physics so i don't feel too sorry for him yeah it does sound like um he's somewhat i don't pickled himself in his own jar <laughs> indeed indeed <laughs> <laughs> um, or so to speak <laughs> as is commonly said as, as is commonly said <laughs> uh shall we uh continue to uh today's pickle um Yes. <laughs> a pickle named uh, The Watcher in the Woods, which is a, a, a horror fantasy children's film from 1980, uh, based uh, apparently on a book by Florence Engel Randall. Uh, but we're not talking about that on this episode. No, uh, I mean, I do, I do have here a copy of Patricia Sibley's A Watcher in the Woods, but that that's not the right book. Um, <laughs> so, so that's really not going to help us at all 
to be honest. Um, the book I have here is about a woman watching deer. Um, that's not what the film's about. It's not. It's also not to be confused with the uh, TV movie of the same name from 2017, um, which uh, features actually two famous witches, um, Angelica Houston and um, Melissa Joan Hart. But that's not the one we're talking about. We're talking about the one from 1980, which kind of in our increasing taxonomy of children's horror is sort of in the the children of the stones paper house corner of the map um although not as good as those (laughs) yeah i mean it's from this period in which disney were trying to appeal to a kind of young adult audience you know trying to shake off some of the kind of younger child associations by branching out into these sort of live action family done many many live action films before but live action films within a kind of dark fantasy Mm. slash horror something happened in these woods something that has never been explained and it's happening again now did you hurt yourself oh it's just a little cut what sort of person are you sensitive you sense things. The past pursues the present like a recurring dream. What began as a game ended when a young girl vanished into thin air. There's this sort of tension here that uh, is interesting. So Return to Oz, you know, it's Disney and a few years later and is pretty unremittingly dark in many mm. ways. Whereas Watcher in the Woods feels to me like it's been um, diluted um, by studio executives. It's not quite as committedly dark or as scary as I think it could have been. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Um, yes. Um, it's, um, it's, it's kind of a shame that we didn't, um, get a hold of the book. Um, I had a, I had a look, uh, and it was, uh, selling for 80 pounds on Amazon. Um, so I think it's fairly rare, but, um. I mean, if, if, if you really want, if you're like, oh my God, they need to buy that book, um, probably, probably need a Patreon. For that, to be honest, <laughs> yeah, that's a little beyond our our means at this point. Um, but it does it does feel like there's a there's some there's some kernels of horror in there, but uh, uh, they haven't fully popped into into nice. horror popcorn. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you still got it. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> So uh, we start with a, a very shiny-looking white American family uh, being driven to look at an isolated country house in England, uh, which is being rented surprisingly cheaply. Um, and it's a kind of setup that's a familiar enough trope that they they lampshade it by uh, the youngest daughter Ellie, who says, "Oh, maybe there's a ghost." <laughs> well, yeah, maybe there is. The estate agent explains that the reason it's uh, so cheap is because it's being rented by an elderly lady who lives in the cottage next door and wishes to make sure that the right sort of people live there. 
Um, and as they arrive, there she is, uh, Mrs. Aylswood, played by a 70-year-old Betty Davis, uh, who lurks sinisterly at the door as the family arrive. Um, and I thought that I hadn't seen any Betty Davis films before, but I think actually we watched The Nanny together. Um, I think we did, which was a sort of mostly forgotten Hammer film and surprisingly psychological um, mm. for, for a Hammer. Like, uh, it's quite a kind of low-key, low-burning melodrama slash horror um, mm. about a sympathetic, albeit homicidally dangerous nanny mm. played by Betty Davis. Yeah. Um, so, um, so that's, I feel like this is a fairly odd, odd selection of Betty Davis films to have seen, but, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, possibly my only Betty Davis films, too, I think. <laughs> but that's what we're working with. So, um, yeah. And, um, and, and she, she really broods in this. Um, oh yeah. You know, she works them Betty Davis eyes. Like, mm. uh, yeah, she definitely is one of, one of the best aspects of this film. Um, I think somewhat underserved, to be honest. Mm. So they, the family look around the impressive old house and uh, the older daughter, Jan, is looking out of an upstairs window into the nearby woods when she sees a flash of blue light and the window cracks under her hand. And may, may I ask, and I know this is a bit of a perennial thing with sort of films of this period, how old is she meant to be? <laughs> Um, 16? Yeah, I guess. I mean, she's like the most wholesome adult teenager <laughs> yeah. I've ever seen. You know, pu- pu- I think possibly even pushing 30. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's definitely one of those 25-year-old teens of uh, the American yore. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, Mrs. Mrs. Aylswood appears behind her and uh, asks her intense questions. Like, um, what sort of person are you? And are you sensitive? Do you sense things? Um, so Paul McKenna type question. Really. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jan asks her mother if they could perhaps find a less sinister house to rent uh, because she feels like something awful happened here. Uh, but uh, her mother, of course, goes, oh, no, don't be silly, dear. But uh, they move in, um, and before long we find out that the uh, the something awful ha- which happened was that Mrs. Ellswood's teen daughter disappeared in tragic circumstances some 30 years ago. Um, and uh, as they're moving their belongings in, uh, Jan is looking in a vanity table mirror, only to discover that she can't see her own reflection but after a while can see the blurry image of another blonde teenage girl wearing a white dress and blindfolded. Um, and this is where I am um, in early with a claim of the week. Claim of the claim week. Claim of the week. Um, when Jan tells her father that she couldn't see herself in the mirror, he replies, oh, you know how old mirrors are. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know, when mirrors get old, they start reflecting people. That well-known fact about old mirrors. <laughs> Which is why um, vampires can't see their reflections. Yeah, because all their mirrors are really old. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's just perfectly, it's perfectly explanatory. Um, <laughs> um, 
so so Jan's a, a little creeped out, um, <laughs> but is settling in for the first night in the house when a hideous monster jumps out beside her bed. Oh, Does no, it? wait, it's just her sister wearing a rubber Halloween mask. Oh, you goosebumped me. <laughs> Rarely do you get such a classic example of what we in the children's horror trade call the goosebumps maneuver. Um, but, uh, are... Well, it wasn't. It wasn't the family dog wearing the mask. <laughs> it wasn't. Though, so. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, this is uh, the first in a sequence of jump scares um, that this film pulls out. Uh, po- Possibly getting less effective as they go along. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've got a note here which just says Bolshe match cuts. Uh-huh. Um, and there's definitely, there's some quite sort of snappy editing. I mean, the film feels very truncated mm. to me, but it does make for some quite striking edits. And I feel like there's a lot of kind of cutting on similar shapes. Mm-hmm. Um, like circles, mm. you know, like there might be the symbol of a sun and then cutting to a big pancake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for for example, I mean that that one doesn't happen, but that's the kind of yeah. kind of match cut that happens a lot. Mm. Um but yeah, there's there's definitely a, a bat jump scare. I think there's a cat jump scare. Uh that's a rat jump scare. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Um, <laughs> um <laughs> I, I I got a bit distracted at this point in my notes by um the the younger daughter Ellie like heaving this enormous cuddly elephant um to bed oh, with her. Yeah. It was really really big. I think genuinely bigger than her. Did you ever have any you know big toys as a kid? Um, like you know let, let's say we'll measure this on. Well, I was going to say measure this on toys bigger than. Than you, but I was a prem baby, so you know, uh, like a hand was basically bigger than me. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but you know, like toys which were notable for their bigness or their name, and like like my brother had a teddy which was called Big Ted. Yeah. On account of its bigness. Um, no, I don't remember having any any particularly big big teddies. I thought I do. I do have one now. I have um. I have one of those big IKEA sharks. Um. Which uh, Got, no, what's that? <laughs> it's a a big cuddly shark. Uh, it's about two feet long, um, and uh, it's very cuddly. Oh. Yeah, in in the shape of a table. <laughs> yes. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, did, did you have one, or was it just just your brother? Um, no, just uh, Imba Imba the seal. Mm. Uh, Really, quite cruelly named <laughs> by a, a family friend. But, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need softer toys. Actually, I, I, you know, I do have some kind of toys and models now, but they're they're all sort of hard and plasticky. Like I've got Amy and Jordan mm. from the eight, Mark Byers Amy and Jordan comics, but you know, they're not very cuddly. Mm. Um, I I still got Gooby Stone. You remember Gooby Stone? No. You ever see that? Oh, maybe I haven't seen my Gooby Stone. It's just a really good, good stone I found on the beach <laughs> <laughs> with this really Gooby expression. <laughs> it's really, it's really good. Um, but again, you know, no good for cuddling. Mm. Um. Uh, 
Yeah, I think I think um, while I was distracted by the enormous elephant toy, I think there was something about how both the uh, the kids thought that the other one was talking in their sleep. So who was talking? Uh, oh, yeah, I think that just passed me by. Oh, yeah, <laughs> possibly the the ominous mist that uh, was dancing spectrally outside the window. And uh, the next day, there's some sort of kid being creepy horror where um little sis uh, acquires a puppy and um names it nerak um was right writing the name out on the, on the window condensation um which when a local woman sees the name from outside uh, she sees it spelling karen and she's clearly disturbed and rushes away and uh it doesn't take very long before Jan has figured out that Mrs. Elwood's daughter's name was indeed Karen. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, little sis uh, wanders off into the woods with with Nerek, the dog, um, and um, Jan gets increasingly frantic trying to find her. She eventually finds her, but then sees another sort of flash of blue light and falls backwards into a pond. Um, and these these flashes of blue light are very Star Wars. Ah. Uh-huh. Like, they're very kind of industrial light and magic style effects at the time. Um, yeah. So one of the notes I made about the film um, is it's the little fantasy thriller that wanted to be a sci-fi. <laughs> yeah. Um, never quite commits itself. Yeah. And it does just have these sort of sci-fi special effects going on, which to me sat a bit oddly within this ostensible folk horror setting. Yeah. Like, I don't know, they never integrated to me. Mm. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, it doesn't... Because there's definitely some... Um, there's definitely a, a sort of folk horror sort of children of the stones leaning to it um but it doesn't doesn't commit all the way with that either <laughs> no no it does feel like it's sort of ambivalently situated mm. between a whole bunch of different genres and tones and never quite yeah commits to any of them yeah but i've read that it's a uh film that had a great deal of studio interference mm-hmm. um, and that several sequences were cut. So there's a really interesting um, blog article uh, linked uh, on an old, on a wonderful old sort of Geocities site, mm. I will add. So it's, it's worth going just for the graphic design. Mm. Um, linked to from the Wikipedia page um, by a, um, a film um journalist called Scott Bosco, um, who was sort of involved in trying to kind of restore this this film uh, for DVD. Um, and he talks about some of the uh, scenes that were edited out. Mm. Um, a lot of which sounds... Okay, so I'll, I'll quote this. Um, the film originally opened with a prologue and a different main title sequence. A small girl is seen in the woods playing with a doll. The Watcher's presence, a roving camera POV, sneaks up to the girl from behind. She suddenly turns to the camera and screams, dropping her doll and running off. 
The camera changes its view from the running girl to the doll. There's a growl, the doll floats upwards, becoming airborne, and is swiftly launched against a tree, where it is struck by a blue beam of light igniting it. The main titles are played over the burning doll face, which melts as the credits continue, <laughs> accompanied by striking psycho-like music stings. Damn. Oh, I want, yeah. I want to see that And I was film. like, that sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, we were robbed. Yeah, exactly. So um, I get the impression that the, uh, the film was intended to be much darker, but uh, Disney wimped out. Basically, mm. um, to to their detriment, because no one remembers this film. Yeah, and maybe yeah, they would have like, if it was the melting dollface film. Exactly, like people remember Return to Oz because of all the screaming heads. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, electroshock therapy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Disney failed to play the long game that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so Betty Davis appears, um, and it seems as if she's trying to push Jan further under the water, but uh, it turns out she's actually trying to free her from being trapped by a branch. Well, so she says. I wasn't wholly convinced. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, to me, it sounds like an excuse after your murder attempt hasn't worked. Yeah. Oh, trying trying to stab them? No, I was... <laughs> trying to free them. It got entangled in a knife. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um. <laughs> a bit sideshow Bob from The Simpsons, I think. <laughs> um, Jan tells uh, Mrs. Ellswood that she saw Karen in the mirror and we get a flashback to the night of Karen's disappearance. It was an eclipse at night and lightning strikes the old church, setting it on fire. Very odd lightning, I have to say. Um, very alien and not very much like lightning at all yeah. but um, more like lightning it's only a bit like lightning. <laughs> yeah um all the other kids run out of the church but there's uh there's no sign of karen um <laughs> the next day the family go out to watch some kind of uh blood sport of uh local boys <laughs> driving around a dirt track on motorbikes <laughs> uh, I, th- I think more commonly called speedway <laughs> is this a thing <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, someone someone didn't grow up in the sticks. We, you know, we get this kind of stuff in Suffolk. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's very dangerous. Totally le- well, you know, you know, you don't have any health and safety out in the countryside. <laughs> oh. You know, sometimes you might lose your hand in a freshen accident. And it's all in good fun. <laughs> um. Uh, one of the uh, one, so yeah, you know, one of the boys that they're, t- they're there to see is um, is well-spoken boy hunk Mike, who is um, <laughs> Jan's uh, blonde, uh, ostensibly teen boy counterpart and uh, son. I mean, pos- possibly a little bit younger than. Yeah, do you think? Yeah, but I mean, he's he's no teenager. <laughs> um. And uh, he's a son of the woman who is uh, freaked out by seeing the name Karen written on the window. Um, little sis Ellie calls Jan away uh, just before a flaming motorbike um, that's escaped from some hapless boy lands on the spot where she was standing. Uh, Ellie says that it was Narek the dog who told her to, to call Jan. 
um, in that creepy little girl way. Ruff, ruff, come down. <laughs> um, we don't. We don't hear that. Yeah. No, we don't. Um, sadly. <laughs> so many missed opportunities. <laughs> um, and the parents seem pretty unperturbed that uh, their eldest daughter nearly got decapitated by a flying motorbike. Um, they're like, well, it's a good thing you didn't just die. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I guess this was the early 80s. so um, <laughs> When it was acceptable, as that irritating song once said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sorry, that one had probably been consigned to the dusty vaults of the back of your brain. The next day, Ellie and Jan go, go horse riding with boy hunk Mike um, and end up at the ruined church that we saw in the flashbank. Um, a man in an Arawak who we've seen lurking around a bit throughout the film sees Jan and believes that she is Karen. Um and goes back and reports this to some kind of aristocratic brandy swilling guy <laughs> sitting by a fireplace for, for some reason. And, and yeah, he's a he's a bit he's a bit like um, who was that the aristocratic astronomer in uh, Children of the Stones? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, they they share some sort of ominous conversation about um, what happens that night with Karen. Um, uh, okay, without revealing exactly what happened. Mr. Keller, I had to see you. It's about Karen Aylwood. What about Karen Aylwood? She needs help. Then our uh, favourite blonde heterosexual teens go on a date to a fairground. Uh, there's another jump scare, um, but this time it's something jumping out at them on a ghost train. Woo! <laughs> Yeah, it's not like they, we don't even get a proper ghost train sequence. No. Like, we just either finish the ghost train. Like, if I was making a film, I'd go all in in the ghost train sequence. Yeah. Like, I'd probably have that part of the film just specially in 3D and not the rest of the film. <laughs> <or something. laughs> the, um, the, the, the ghost train jump scare did actually make me spill my tea. <laughs> well, you know, that's something, to be yeah. fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. And um, we get a little bit of uh, Hall of Mirrors horror as well as uh, Jan sees the the image of um, uh, blindfolded Karen coming at her from all directions. Um, But is it really a Hall of Mirrors scene without a shootout? um, I don't believe there's a shootout in uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes. Uh, no, you're right, and that was quite a good Hall of Mirrors scene. Mm, mm. That's a fair point. No, fair point. Retracted. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, sadly, there isn't any carousel that makes people age backwards in this film. Um, no, which which really the two performers playing the teenagers kind of needed. <laughs> 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 you know. <laughs> um, uh, Jan goes off to confront evil fireside man who um, flares his nostrils a lot and refuses to tell her anything. Um, 
she then finds Tom, who, the man in the anorak, and and he sort of reluctantly tells her what happened. Um, and that the uh, the local kids were inducting Karen into their secret society of, of three, uh, the night of the eclipse in the ruined church. Uh, then the lightning uh, struck and the rest of them ran out in fear, but Karen was blindfolded and um, uh, so didn't run away. And uh, Tom watched from the doorway as the, the big church bell fell, uh, but he swore that Karen had disappeared before the bell hit the floor. So so this is uh, where my not terribly exciting texture of the week comes in. Mm-hmm. If you want to do texture of the week. Yeah, let's do it. Texture. <laughs> oh, you're. Yeah. Someone take that off, Ren, please. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I only just realised that I had. Is it? Is it like a swanny whistle? Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it doesn't have the. It doesn't have the pull, pulley bit. It's just a little little tin whistle that I have. Where have you got that from, you scamp? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Someone let me have one. <laughs> a foolish person. <laughs> so, so yeah, I really like the textures in Tom Colley's shack. Um, they're just some really good. There are a lot of dead animals. So at mm-hmm. first you're like, oh, it's a sinister location. But actually, he just kind of rescues them and uh, buries them. Um, you know, he's he's a kind-hearted fellow. Um, but yeah, it had a good sense of dereliction to it. And um, just the kind of contrasting textures of the, the sort of rough shorn wood and the uh, the animal pelts was quite effective. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my texture of the week was uh, Betty Davis's face uh, peering through some some iron railings um, <laughs> because she has a good craggy face and sort of the good good like curly iron of the railings was uh, was pleasing um mm. and um i ended up uh, borrowing paying paying to borrow this this film um to rent it off from youtube for um i got the high definition version for oh, that, that's that's good i was worried when you when you said that that like one of your friends had it and they made you pay to borrow it <laughs> no <laughs> i was like what a joke <laughs> um uh, and after doing that, I realised that the entire film was on YouTube for free, but not in high definition. So, um, ah. but it means I have a high definition screenshot of Betty Davis's craggy face through the railings that I will share with the class. Um, nice. And that will make it worth it. I mean, I have illustrations from a watcher in the woods, but as I've said, it is not, it's not the right book. <laughs> 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 So Jan goes to Mrs. Elwood to tell her about what uh, Tom told her um, about Karen's disappearance, and we had to slide in another horror trope uh, with a creepy music box. Um, A little sis, Ellie, gets possessed by something um, and starts shouting, Need help! Chapel! Very soon. Um, <laughs> they think it's Karen talking through Ellie, but the voices are very insistent that it's not Karen. 
but that Karen needs their help. Um, at this point, their the mum finally finds all of this uh, too much and tries to drive away with her daughters, uh, but the car keeps failing. Um, and uh, they, they, they get to the creaky old bridge and Jan suddenly insists that they need to get out. And just after they do, uh, lightning hits the bridge and the car tumbles down into the river um, with a significant portion of the effects budget. <laughs> um, um, uh, Sorry, that tickled me. <laughs> <laughs> um, that night, Ellie starts uh, writing on the mirror in soap, unaware of what she's doing. Uh, uh, it says, do again tomorrow. And uh, finally, it all seems to come together for Jan. Um, she realises there's another eclipse tomorrow and that she has to gather the same people together from 30 years ago and do the ritual again. And and there are a lot of flashbacks uh, just trying to make clear what's been a pretty incoherent narrative structured associatively to a young, confused audience. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mum called him. Help me look, Jan. It's nearly too late. Nearly too late. Um, so she, she, she gets them to do it, and uh, as they're, they're holding hands, a, a voice starts speaking through Ellie, um, saying that... Uh, this voice, this person and Karen switch places in the ritual during the eclipse and they've both been trapped in the wrong dimension due to the magnetic power of the eclipse. Um, okay. Um, I don't know if you... Have you seen Halloween 3? No. Uh, Season of the Witch. Um, it makes as about as much sense as the Nigel Neal written sections in that about how the evil corporation are drawing their energy from uh, a standing stone, which transmits a frequency which is going to turn children into snakes and insects. <laughs> oh, yeah, that frequency. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so blue light kind of fills the circle and... Everything kind of goes, ah, and um, Jan in, in the middle of the ring starts to levitate upwards um, uh, to, until Boy Hunk breaks the circle of hands. And uh, when he does, there is Karen standing there, um, still a teenager. And she and Betty Davis embrace, and that's the end. That's one of the ends, at least. Well, yes. So have you seen the alternative end? I saw one of them. The one with all the special effects. Yeah. Yeah, that was much better. <laughs> like, it didn't didn't make a lot of sense, but um, it was a lot more fun. Yeah. <laughs> so as far as I understood it, like, our protagonist is transported to Karen's space dimension, where mm. she'd been switched with the alien Watcher in the Woods... And there's all this map-painted backdrops, and she's sort of kept within some kind of celestial prison. Mm. And then she has to rescue her, and then they, they come back. Mm. Possibly. It was really incoherent and confusing, but uh, <laughs> it, look, it looked amazing. And, <laughs> like, visually very striking. Yeah. <laughs> it was, like, really vaporwave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
uh, why didn't they go with that? Um, I think my understanding is uh, after the kind of test screening, uh, you know, all the kind of assembled uh, journalists and kids said it didn't make any sense. They didn't understand it, uh, <laughs> which is, is fair enough, to be honest. Uh, I just quite like films that don't make any sense and I can't understand. Um, yeah. But I wasn't in the test screening audience, and so... Uh, <laughs> Sadly, we've got the far more boring ending. Yeah. Um, and did you say there was a third ending as well? Yeah, well, apparently, like, there were... Let's see if I can... I, I, I mean, I mean um, apparently, like, l- loads of endings were... I mean, so when the film was pulled from theatres, this is me reading from Wikipedia, several new endings were penned by various writers at Disney to substitute for the original. In addition to work of studio writers, a number of science fiction writers, including Robert Silverberg, Joe Haddleman and Niven Pornell, uh, all working separately, were brought in and paid for alternate endings, but apparently none of these were used. <laughs> what? Um, the, visual, the film's visual effects designer later stated there were roughly 152 possible endings. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> um, because production of this film was clearly a mess. <laughs> wow. <laughs> 152, and they went with that one. Yeah. I mean, yeah, what on earth happened in the other endings? <laughs> well, that's bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, th- I think that this is a film that's kind of more interesting to read about actually than to watch. If yeah, it's um, it's a it's a museum curiosity. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> a, a, a curate's egg. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, or even a, a museum curator's egg. Hmm. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So, final thoughts, I guess. Um. Oh, it's not what it could have been. It's not what it could have been. You could have got a lot more mileage out of um, Betty Davis's uh, uh, craggy face and suspicious peering, I think. Yeah, I think they they could have had her uh, be more sinister. I mean, you know, her performance is great, mm. but she's just very underused. Um, I think... I mean, I really like... Some of the POV shots from The Watcher would look like they were kind of filmed by a maniac who'd snuck onto the set. Um, th- <laughs> yeah, that was really yes, good. It did, yeah. <laughs> 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 but, but like in the final, in the version we watched, you know, there's no real reveal of what the uh, the Watcher is or looks like. It's quite nebulous. Um, <laughs> no, yeah. Like, so I don't know. You know, if if the Watcher had been some kind of, I don't know, like, 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 sort of creature of multiple arms, uh, and wheels, perhaps, uh, holding a camera, you know, that, that would have been oh, good. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, I just, I, I just, I just feel like, um, there's a lot of potential here and, uh, Ended up being very watered down and not not especially memorable. Yeah. Ah well. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, we 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 do. Yeah. Uh, we are 
uh, trying to watch every um, weird dark fantasy children's children's horror of the eighties. Yeah. So um, they can't all be returned to us, unfortunately. No, that is very true. Um, so thank you, thank you everyone for listening. Mm. Um, we're hoping to have a slightly more regular release schedule this year, if we can. Um, yep. We both have, you know, commitments, <sighs> work, other, other such things. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty much always doing Extinction Rebellion stuff. It feels like these days. Uh, for every uh, ill-advised action you see in the media, uh, there, there are uh, hundreds more hours of uh, excruciating meetings. <laughs> 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 you know, if, if you think being stopped in the traffic for 10 minutes is an inconvenience, um, please have a thought about uh, typing up tedious minutes um, <laughs> from logistic planning meetings. I still don't think I know the credits, Ren, which is terrible. We've been doing this for like two years and like, I still don't know them. No, maybe I'll give it a go. Okay, I don't know. No. Like, yeah, try it. Okay. And so I'll do a sign off. Oh my God. Thanks for listening to Still Scared. Uh, our intro music is by Maki Yamazaki. Our outro music is by Joe Kelly. And our artwork is by Letty Wilson. Hey. Um, yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at StillScaredPod. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can email us at something similar, I think. StillScared. <laughs> StillScared. StillScaredPodcast at Gmail. StillScaredPodcast at Gmail.com. StillScaredPodcast at Gmail.com. And please leave us a review on iTunes, um, because, you know, we're, we're, we're needing. It's called Apple Podcasts now. Really? Yeah, it's, it has been oh. for a while. <laughs> oh, God, well, maybe that's why we haven't been getting the review. Okay, yeah, Apple Podcasts, leave us a review because, you know, we're quite needy. Um, mm. It's nice It's nice to get the positive reinforcement. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that. that. <laughs> um, is there anything else I haven't mentioned? Um, just thank you. Thank you, listeners. Um, yeah. Because without you, we'd just be talking into the void. Yeah, thanks for listening to us. We appreciate it. No, we, we do. Um, because, you know, it's, uh, it's a bit of a, it's a kooky concern we have here and it's nice that other people share the interest. Mm-hmm. Right, Ren, it's time for a sign off. All right. Um, uh, right. <laughs> Good night, spooky kids. And, uh, if you, uh, look in the mirror and don't see yourself tonight, don't worry, you just need a new mirror. <laughs> <laughs> See you next time. Bye. Bye. Doesn't make sense. <laughs>